This episode of Bantering the Blue Shirts is sponsored by Jeff Gordon for actually making a trade before we started the podcast. Michael, he was a very good boy, and he helped us. Yeah, he gave us some... some this is fresh off, fresh off the stove. This trade just happened before uh, we started recording tonight. Right, fresh off the stove. Off the oven, even, perhaps. Out of the oven. Uh, the New York Rangers have an... And here's the... I keep I circling these points. Very, very little news leaks out of New York, right? That's why we were kind of talking about how... And it's something we'll get into, actually, that Larry Brooks mentioned that the Rangers might sign both Zuccarello and Hayes. Um, Very, very little information leaks out of the New York Rangers organization without the team knowing about it. And this is kind of a perfect example of this type of a situation where the New York Rangers make a trade. They trade Peter Holland for Darren Radish. He's a 22-year-old defenseman from the Chicago Blackhawks. And there, I, I get that it's it's an AHL trade. You know, Radish is only 22. I think Peter Holland is going to be 27 at the end of the year. So we'll a little bit more on that in a moment. But like this kind of came out of the woodwork, and it's not a big trade. It's not something that's going to knock your socks off. But Jeff Gordon pretty much turned Peter Holland, who was having a fantastic year in the AHL, but a player with zero NHL upside, for a player who could potentially be a third pairing defenseman in the NHL. I would say that's a win. No, Mike? Yeah, I chalk this up as a really big win, actually. Uh, Oh, a really big win. We're a minute and 42 seconds in. We've had a really big win. Well, the way I look at it, Joe, is like, what do you have in Peter Holland? Do you have a guy who, he's 28 right now. He's a UFA at the end of the season. He's the top scoring uh, player on Hartford, which is... Not exactly something to necessarily celebrate. He has 49 points in 52 games. So he's been great in terms of, you know, being that veteran guy to kind of help, you know, generate offense and give Hartford a true top line center. But he's just going to be gone. Either that or you're going to bring him back to be in the AHL next season. But the Rangers have all these young centers. Uh, His future here is uncertain. So to get a 22-year-old right-handed D uh, and Radish, you know, we were just kind of looking like I've, you know, obviously I've heard of his brother, uh, you know, another young player, uh, but Darren Radish is, like you said, he's 22, he plays on the right side, he had one crazy season, uh, Joe, in 2016-17 with uh, the Erie Otters, but that was the team with DeBrinket and uh, Dylan Strom and his brother on it, actually, that's when his brother Taylor Radish, who's a... Uh, a Tampa Bay Lightning prospect had 109 points, and that's the season that Alex DeBrinket had 127 points in 63. Yeah, Radish had 80 points that year. He won the OHL's Most Outstanding Defenseman Award. Yeah. Um, his numbers actually in the AHL they haven't been not bad not at all. T- yeah, really. 26 points in 54 games this year. I think you said he has what six of his eight goals at um, right even strength. So. Yeah, I was, I was looking at a, a great site for. You know, our listeners who might want to have a little more insight on what's going on in Hartford is it's AHLTracker.com uh, does a very good job. Just, uh, you know, it's just a site that, you know, scrapes the box scores and throws up some stats for you. Uh, prospect stats is another good one. But I like I like prospect stats a little bit more just because it can offer uh, specifically five on five numbers. Whereas the AHL tracker site just breaks it down in even strength, but you can get to five on five data in there. You just have to kind of work around it. But the reason I mentioned it is, 
in 54 games, six goals at evens, and three primary assists at evens. So, you know, it's nine primary points in 54 games doesn't really jump off the page, uh, Joe. But I think, you know, looking at the fact that, one, this is just his second season, right? Yeah, he's only 22. Uh, in the HL, he's 22. He's also kind of doing work on the power play then, huh? Yeah, and that's, that's what I was getting to. He has 10 power play points this season. So that's two goals and three primary assists on the power play for him. Uh, not bad not bad. Michael, uh, let's let's play a very quick... Normally we save the questions for off the post, but yeah. um, how telling is it that the Rangers keep acquiring defensemen? That's a good one. It's a good one, isn't it? I think... Looking at, I think it's easy if, if if I put myself into the shoes of this front office and I look at what may have held this team back from getting to another cup final in Henrik Lundqvist's prime, it's pretty easy to say, you know, well, we didn't have that big star forward. But after that, I think you look at this defense and how they invested kind of in the wrong guys. Uh, they went... They made a couple of big chops, big swings in free agency and in trade show to bring in defensemen. You know, we saw it with Yandel. We saw it uh, with Shattenkirk. You know, we've seen it over and over again with this franchise. This team has been trying to find the next Brian Leach for a very long time. And none of these guys we're talking about right now are the next Brian Leach. But they need to find and develop their own young defensemen because that's, that's how you get a group of defenders that doesn't cost you an arm and a leg. You you develop these young players, you get them in, in their entry-level deals. After that, you sign them. You, you know, you're going to get guys who are becoming RFAs cheaper than you'd get guys who are becoming UFAs. And right now, looking at this team, Joe, they're still paying danger already after the buyout, and they have Mark Stahl, they have Brennan Smith, uh, they have Kevin Shattenkirk, and they have Brady Shea, who's a guy they did did draft and develop, but but might have overpaid. It's still still early, but I'm definitely leaning towards pessimism with Brady Shea right now. And I I gotta say it makes sense uh, to just if to keep trying to find these D, especially because we've seen a couple guys like Vince Pedri and stuff uh, fall off in Hartford. Uh, you know he was released, I believe, um, and now you know you need you need bodies there. You need to. Is many like we talk about how important it is to have all those draft picks, Joe. As like you need those lottery tickets, right? You want as many swings at the pinata as you can get. Yeah, this is a very similar lottery ticket now, isn't it? Yeah, but this is just you want prospects. You want kids you can look at. And giving up a twenty-eight-year-old center in Peter Holland, who oh, was he that old? I thought he was twenty-six. Yeah, no, he's well. I was just looking at cap friendly, and well, you know what? Cap friendly is probably more smart than my off-the-cuff brain. Yeah, especially because more smart is not uh, not proper. Okay, I'm going to take my hand and I'm going to smack you oh. right in the face. Um, the other thing that, and this came up a couple of days ago, you know, Adam made a point about he was kind of watching Hartford and <sighs> said basically if, if Lieber Hayek becomes a third-pairing defenseman for the Rangers at this point, it's a whim. And he's having a relatively disastrous, you know, first pro year in Hartford. And, 
you can take all the red flags and all the necessary, hey, listen, these things happen, you know, yada, yada. But as I keep trying to explain to the people who get so angry at that type of analysis that, hey, information's fluid, right? Like Hayek could certainly take a jump next year that nobody's expecting. Um, Maybe this very well is like a year from hell for him. He would not be the first person to develop slowly. But the projection of where he was supposed to be when the New York Rangers traded for him last year and again they did so much patting themselves on the back right and they did so much oh he might be the most nhl ready prospect the rangers have and we expect him maybe to fight for a spot in the nhl next year and now we're here it's not good right ryan lindgren kind of same thing he had a little bit of a a stint in the nhl just for a couple of games but Again, neither of those guys have blown anybody out of the water in Hartford. And on one hand, Hartford's terrible, right? So that's fine. On the other hand, John Gilmore is scoring goals like Alexander Ovechkin in Hartford. So, like, everything has context to it, right? And I think for the Rangers to continue to go down the well of acquiring defensemen, even if they're going to stash them in Hartford, just kind of shows that before the Millers and the Lundquists get here, they're not really thrilled with the long-term outlook that they have, at least out of Hartford. That's what it's telling me. And this is, like Mike said, it, it's a lottery ticket. It's, it's like getting a $5 bill from your grandmother that you buy a lottery ticket with. Like Peter Holland, what, he, sure, he might be able to chip in a couple of goals in the NHL, and he's a great emergency call-up. He's nobody that you're going to rely on. The Rangers got him in a trade from, I believe, Montreal, if I'm not mistaken. He's not, he's not an NHL player. So to get somebody who could be, that's a win, right? These are exactly the type of things that Jeff Gordon should be doing. Yeah, but, it's, I can only see this as a win. Right, I, it, I the, the trade's a huge win. There's no, yeah, even I'm not if... trying to cut you off, but to me, this is just, you get a kid, uh, you don't know what he's <laughs> going to be. We know what Peter Holland is. We also know that, you know, in many ways, he's already kind of helped as much as he can help. This is also, frankly, in, in many ways, a favor uh, to Peter Holland, I think, because maybe he can, you know work his way back up to the to the NHL another organization he's not going to do it here uh, just there's just too much of a, of a log jam and maybe that could have been different uh, post trade deadline and there was an op- there could have been an opportunity for him there but now you know what the Rangers have here is a guy who's gonna be an RFA at the end of next season uh, like you said he was undrafted Joe and you know last season 22 points in the AHL this season 26 points and fewer games so I mean, he's got eight goals he doesn't have 16 goals like john gilmore but uh this is to me it's this is a guy who this is a, a fine gamble to make and like you know you and i are both still just scraping and scratching the surface of uh you know getting kind of reacting to this trade because this is like i said just hot off the cuff here yeah, it happened it's, like 10 minutes before we were about to record it's uh, I, I like it. it. It's not a big deal, and I know people might be wondering why are they talking about this AHL deal so much. And I think, I think one of the reasons, show is because when we recorded last time, you and I were both expecting we'd be talking about a trade, and we didn't think it, this one would be it. Uh, deadline day is coming. It's right around the corner. In fact, our next show, I think we're going to be recording on deadline day. So, well, after the dust is settled, but yes, yeah, a- after be... that's right. Yeah, it's right around the corner, and. The you know the all the rumor mill has just been spinning and spinning, especially on Hayes and Zuccarello now, and maybe he's a fit in Pittsburgh. And uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to break down. 
lot to uh lots to just chisel away at i mean the the end point that i guess i want to make because again there's not probably not that much of an immediate nhl outlook on this trade one way or another is just that this should give you you know this should give you some confidence in the fact that we're going into what we're seven days away from the trade deadline now that gordon is at least looking a little bit more long term i mean i get it that this is not something that is going to really move the needle one way or another but you can certainly take a look at this type of a trade and listen if it was the other way around right if the rangers were trading say ryan lindgren for i don't know a 28 year old ahl forward we'd all be in an uproar right now so that's sort of what's going on and i think it's a good you know it's a good sign that we're looking in this direction and more importantly that the the new york rangers maybe realize that this expected boon of defensemen maybe isn't going to be what they thought it was going to be. And we have a lot of discussions about whether or not D'Angelo has earned, you know, a full-time role here. And I think Mike and I have talked that into the ground. But the answer to that is a yes. We've seen more of the struggles from Neil Pionk. There's just, there's a few things moving at the NHL level. And it's nice to see stuff like this where, oh, there's an opportunity for this to turn into something for the Rangers. And if it doesn't, it's a lottery pick and there was no risk associated with it. Nothing. Yep. Now, it's all upside. I'm going to throw some information your way. You ready for this? Information, my way. There's a blog, nyrangersnews.com, that I've actually never heard of, but I just saw it come up on Twitter. Okay. And this is a list of where the Rangers scouts have been lately. Today, 218, they're at Arizona against Calgary. 216, they were at Bruins and Kings. 216, they sent people to the Senators and the Jets. Um, Flames, Penguins, Islanders, Blue Jackets, Avalanche, and Jets. And at that game on 214, there were two scouts. And then two, oh, including Steve Emmerger. I forgot he was a scout for the New York Rangers. 213, Oilers and Penguins. 210, Columbus Bruins. And then they were also at, a, you know, I'm not going to go all the way down the list, but this month, Sharks, Capitals, Panthers, Flames, Leafs. Now, there was some scuttlebutt today from Darren Dreger that the New York Rangers and the Toronto Maple Leafs were potentially exchanging information about one Adam McQuaid, which would be semi-shocking. We've heard that the Bruins are going to be all in. We're just kind of waiting to see what happens with Stone and Duchesne. There's so much movement going on in Ottawa right now that it's kind of clogging up the pipelines. But we're hearing that Pittsburgh may be interested in Matt Zuccarello. Uh, there's a lot to kind of break down right now, Mike. So I'm gonna I'm not gonna throw you just a question. I'm just gonna stop talking, and you can talk about what's going on right now. Uh, the it's it's really fun because right now terrifying. Yeah, fun and terrifying is is uh, the two right words for this, which is why I decided to write the the dopey uh, trade deadline survival guide because it feels like this. It's a very peculiar time to follow, cover, or be a fan of the Rangers. Uh, you know, we're all waiting to see when, you know, things are going to start, you know, clicking and horns and sirens are going to go off and all of a sudden we're going to be at, you know, DEFCON 3 uh, and we're going to see these trades we've been really thinking about. I mean, from the moment, Joe, that Kevin Hayes signed a one-year deal, like the writing was on the wall. And yeah, we've been talking about And then it wasn't. Like, there was a period of yeah, time where the Rangers were supposedly going to re-sign him. Then it was off. Now it's back. I mean, I haven't even mentioned the fact that Larry Brooks said that, there were, that the Rangers were all of a sudden renegotiating with Zuccarello and Hayes, 
which I guess we should talk about that at some point too, because this, it's just it's been a crazy few days. Yeah, I, I, there's no reason for them not to do it. Um, well, they should have been doing it for a while. That's yeah, the point. Especially, they might be doing it now, thinking maybe they can talk to you know Zuccarello's camp and say like, listen. We want you to be a part of this team, but it might be better if you take a little vacation in Calgary or Pittsburgh and you can come back July 1st. I know a lot of people are kind of crossing their fingers that that happens. It just statistically, Joe, it doesn't happen very often. And all the time we say, oh, but this guy's different. He, he bleeds blue. He's special. And uh, it still doesn't happen very often. The, the What I was getting to before... There's all these rumors. There's all this. There's all this scuttlebutt. There's all this talk about what's going to happen, where you know, where some of these guys fit, and all the scouts. Obviously, every day on Twitter, it's like you know, we're just waiting to see like their little dandelion seeds. Like where are they going to land today? And it's like you said. I think the big thing here, the reason why we haven't seen stuff start to ratchet up, is what's going on in Ottawa and what's going on in Columbus uh, to an extent because there's a lot like there's a lot to consider in regards to the general outlook of the league if if you look at like just the standings right now of the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference it's Tampa Bay and then everyone else right now in terms of just where teams are in points uh, like Calgary was second in the league and first in the West yesterday when I was looking. And then there, you know, all the teams who were in third place were just two points behind them. Tampa is far and away ahead. So what you have right now is a roundabout way of saying so many teams are in it and so many teams are trying to evaluate what they can give up if they want to be buyers, if they want to be sellers. And, you know, like Florida is one of those teams where they're trying to say, like, what are we? And, you know, there's teams and, you know, Columbus wants to try and still be in the playoffs, Joe, and try to find a way to get something for Panarin so they don't lose him for, for anything. Like they want to find a way to, to walk, you know, to serve both of those objectives. And that's not easy. So I feel like there's a lot of moving moving pieces here. And I'm waiting for, the, for like the first big one to fall because that's what's going to happen. You hear my groaning? Yeah, you don't like I, it. I, this, this whole, I'm not a huge fan of the way the Rangers have gone about the past two months. Um, I wrote an article about Kevin Hayes and how he's sort of backed Gordon into a corner because if the market for Hayes is as soft as it is today as it appears to be, and there was a trade on the table for him back in November, and we don't know if that's true or not. We just know that before Stone, before Panarin, before Duchesne were all on the market, it was Hayes, and there was discussions about him with Winnipeg in November. Um, I don't know if there was a deal on the table that Gordon said no to because he was it wasn't good enough, or maybe he was hoping that something else was going to come further down the road, and that obviously hasn't materialized. But for the past two months, the Rangers have had no discussions with Matt Zuccarello and Kevin Hayes. So if you're a rival general manager, there's no reason for you to go in and make a huge play on Hayes when Duchesne is also available, because there's no fear that Hayes is going to go anywhere. And if you're in the position where it's coming down to the wire, it's the Sunday before the trade deadline, and you're st- Hayes is still on the Rangers, offers go you know from 100%, say, to 80%. 
Why would you give fair value off the bat to the Rangers if there's A, a soft market, and B, you're not going to re-sign? Like, Gordon has to trade Hayes. He doesn't have a choice. So part of this, I think, is the Rangers leaking information to Brooks in an exchange of some type to say, hey, put it out there, right? That Or they're leaking the information to people who are leaking to Brooks that, oh, the Rangers are getting down and dirty with Hayes and Zuccarello. They might be keeping them because if that's out there, then a team like Winnipeg who goes, they realize, you know what, if we don't get Duchesne, we're going to need Hayes, right? Or a team like Nashville or Boston or any of those teams. You don't want to miss out on everybody. And it's Hayes and Duchesne are the two big centers that are sitting out there right now. So without that like that that rub of, oh, they may stay in New York, it's why Kreider is so valuable right now. He doesn't need to go anywhere. He has another year left on his contract. So having this out there will keep more guys honest. But to do it now, it just seems so desperate, right? And if I'm Kevin Hayes, I'm telling my agent, hey, if I'm still on the Rangers February 26th, I want to ask for the moon because they're going to either let me walk for nothing, which would be a relatively catastrophic disaster for a rebuilding team, or they need to resign him to a ridiculous contract, which again, would maybe lesser of a disaster, but would still be really, really bad. If you can get Kevin Hayes for a five-year, you know, $35 million deal, you have to think about it, right? That's a discussion that you need to have. You're going to sign him until he's 31 or 32 years old. Maybe he's not there for the prime, but it's better than losing him for nothing. I mean, it causes a logjam. It's definitely not the ideal situation, but he's a good hockey player. You want to keep good hockey players around. But there was none of that discussion two weeks ago. There was none of that discussion a week ago. Now there's some of that discussion. So it really does feel like the Rangers just kind of took a step back and said, well, uh, we probably need to have some type of a negotiation going on. Otherwise, other guys are just going to assume that why are we going to offer anything? We'll just wait until the end and we'll lowball them. And that's not how you create a market for somebody. Now, Brooks backed off the next day and said it was more likely that Hayes and Zuccarello were going to get traded. So there's a little bit of a give and go there. But it just feels it feels like Gordon may have overplayed his hand in November. Or he's in a position right now where he's just trying to garner some type of interest. Like maybe guys jump in and he's hoping teams are jumping in and they're saying, hey, we got to get to Hayes right now or else he's going to be re-signed. But they're not morons. This isn't NHL 19. If you were in contract negotiations with Hayes for the past two months, right, even if you were miles apart, you could still bring in and say, well, we're closing the gap. But to go from nothing to, oh, now we're aggressively negotiating? Come on. Really? You're aggressively negotiating with Hayes now, February 17th? Well, alternatively, this could all just be part of the game. This well, that's exactly be, what I think yeah. it is. And that's what I, I feel like, that's what you're you're circling around. I, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure it's this is as much as a failure in terms of, you know, Gordon doing everything he needs to do and really doing his due diligence in regards to fully examining all the options with Hayes. It is like the timing of this. I don't think is, is at all like a, a coincidence. This is this is what it is. Like it's it's broadcasting that out there. It's trying to say the Rangers like this guy. Uh, they'd like to keep him around. And so when teams start calling and the price is what it is for Hayes, uh, they'll understand. Like uh, yeah, that they don't want to lose him for nothing, uh, and they want to try and get everything they can out of him. I I think it's more that than. You know, him saying like, oh shit, the market, I'm not getting the calls I want, so now I'm going to go ahead and 
and put this out there and see if I get, you know, get any nibbles on the bait here. Uh, but neither you or I really know. It is interesting, though. To, um, it's, this is one of those things where we might get a better idea of what this was all about, you know, sometime, you know, in the offseason before free agency starts, because sometimes stories like that, you know, end up leaking. It doesn't happen often with the Rangers, as, as you mentioned before, because it is a relatively tight ship there compared to other teams. But I don't know, Joe. It's it's strange. I it's highly unlikely he gets resigned. If he if he does get resigned, I think I'd almost be disappointed at this point. It, it's because it's a completely. Like we're talking about a, two completely different. It would things. be a worst missed opportunity. To, I would think I would agree with you. You yeah. have Heedel, you have Anderson, and you have Howden, right? And let's we can certainly debate where they stand. No matter what you considered. think of Anderson, no matter what you think of Howden, no matter what you think of Heedle. You have three centers for two spots, two top six spots. So yeah. is it possible that Heedle's a winger next year? Yes. Is it possible that Heedle is the 2C and Howden's the 3C next year? Yes. I don't know if I see many center paths for Anderson to be in with the big club next year just based off of how he's played in Hartford, but we'll see. A year could do a lot of things, but... It just it seems like there's a logjam there, and you're going to be building around two centers who Zabanajad certainly done what he's done this year, and you need to keep him because he's under a fantastic contract. But again, you're buying Hayes' prime for years that you're not going to contend, and you know that. It, it, so it doesn't make a ton of sense. I don't necessarily think this is Gordon's way of trying to get general managers to dial the phone right now. I think it's his way of... When Matt Duchesne is traded yeah, and people call, he gets to sit back and be like, well, we're actually really close to a contract extension, so give me a reason for why I should move him to Winnipeg or Boston. Just like he'll be telling teams, Brian Boyle's a fourth-line center, and he brought in a second round. Right, and that's a different discussion now that the Rangers are quote-unquote negotiating than it was two weeks ago when there was no contract talks. And the fact that Gorton even allowed that to get out there is insane. All you need to do is call up an agent and say, hey, what does Kevin Hayes want to stay next year? Do it in early January. Okay, we'll get back to you. A week later, hey, how about this? You know, what if we were in this area? Could we work something out that way? And just keep the door open. But to have multiple people reporting that there have been no conversations and then you flip around and you come back to, well, now we're aggressively negotiating. This is a yeah, play. It's a play. And yeah. you, you like this is not the first rodeo for a lot of these general managers. Peter Shirelli is no longer on the Edmonton Oilers. So I don't know who you think you're fooling. And some of this very well may be. His stink is still at, at, at least in, in Zuccarello's stink. case, maybe Gorton thinks he can keep him. Right? Maybe if Zuccarello takes a three-year, $12 million deal and there's no real offers out there, he decides to keep him around. That's Zuccarello and Hayes are in different categories in that regard. It's not the worst thing in the world to get Zuccarello for that type of value, but again, it's very difficult to swallow a rebuilding team not getting assets back for their tradable assets. And Zuccarello, I don't think, like, Zuccarello to me, at this point, if I'm a general manager of an opposing team and I want to add any sort of offense, depth or otherwise, and I he don't fits have, anywhere. He fits I anywhere. Don't have he, great he's wingers like Clay. Matt Zuccarello is selling himself right now. He's been unbelievable lately. Put on a damn show in Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's like wouldn't his, love to see him with the Penguins, but he might win a cup there. So good for Zook. 
Yeah, like, and I and I know how you know diehard fans have that reaction of, oh, you know, you can't trade him to Pittsburgh, and uh, I get that. I also think like it's not the same thing that it was maybe 20, 30 years ago, where you're like the right, like it's a business, and if the best assets you can get come from Pittsburgh, which may or may not be true, um, but Pittsburgh is not not going to end up. In great in a great place in the standings. I mean, we saw the Rangers, you know, struggle against them and then kind of come back and in that in that crazy game uh, the other night. But in that six to five loss, but uh, Pittsburgh is they're definitely not guaranteed to make the playoffs, Joe. And that means, you know, if you can trade to teams that are kind of contenders, but they're looking to be a wild card team or you know in the a wild card the, the third spot in the division um that those first round picks are just worth more because if you're trading guys to to Tampa Bay you're going to get the 31st pick and there's it might not sound like a big deal but there is a significant difference between you know like pick number you know 24 and pick 31 it is it is a big difference yeah you had what Keandre Miller at 22 yeah, I mean, you can... And Lundqvist at 28, not to... That's not an assault on Lundqvist, but you, you sometimes yeah. guys like Miller and, and Bach, as a good example, fell last year yeah, um, yeah. to those those early 20s, and there are players that are available. The sooner you pick, the better. It's not rocket science. You guys know that. You don't need me or Mike to tell you that, but sometimes yeah, that just, does make a big difference. You want more options. The, the, the earlier your pick is, the bigger the player pool is. And moving up, that's the reason why teams will pay a second round pick like the Rangers did to move up to get someone like Keandre Miller. And so, you know, that is part of this. And that's something the Rangers might have to consider when they're negotiating here is what are these teams that we're negotiating with and who's, whose first round pick is likely more valuable. And part of that is trying to weigh, you know, what would this player's impact be on that team? You know, how many more wins do they get with him in the lineup? It's tricky because, you know, there's there's so much haggling you have to do, but you know the clock is officially ticking, Joe. When this show goes up tomorrow, we're a week Plus we away. Have every seventh Just round pick away. in 2020 possible. Yeah, 2020 is locked up. That's that's our year. That's our that's our seventh round year. The it's it's an interesting. I have no issues trading with Pittsburgh, none whatsoever. I don't care. I I really don't give a shit about any of that. Non. If Pittsburgh gives you the best player back. Then that's where Zuccarello goes. I, it does not bother me. Pittsburgh's won Stanley Cups already. What do you give a shit if they win another one? If they give you the best prospects back and they give you the best package, then it is what it is. The, the Rangers, it's very difficult. Everybody freaked out about the Grabner trade. You don't know how things are going to work out. And I'm not even in uh, Mike's logic is sound, right? Pittsburgh may, they're going to make the playoffs. They may go out in the first round. And that makes it completely different if you're picking in the, the late teens rather than the mid 20s. That's a huge, that's just the value is enormous of that pick. But that risk aside, if Pittsburgh gives you the best package, they give you the best package. Zuccarello would look great with Malkin and Crosby. As much as it may make you sick to see, he would be fine. But you can't think in the, oh, well, I'm going to take a 70% deal because it's out west. It's just the Rangers aren't in a position to do that. And absolute kudos to Jeff Gordon for not doing it for Michael Grabner. 
because there's no there should be no restrictions on something like that. It's very simple. Yeah, Do you give me the best trade, chance to win in the future? Yeah. Yes making or no? Making that trade is a lot smarter than you know the the trade that the senators made with you know the conditions and terms attached to. Oh, but if Eric Carlson comes back, heaven forbid. You know that's those are not things you need to. Yeah, worry well, because he they and that's oof. That was another. Yeah, there, there's. I, I don't have any. I don't have any real issues with them looking at any option. Hell, the Islanders are going to be buyers this year. Trade with the Islanders. I I don't give a shit. Like that would be much more difficult to stomach if Zuccarello helps the Islanders win a Stanley Cup. But if they're giving you the best package back, then they're giving you the best package back. You you can't you can't shoot your own you know yeah, but foot. Would Lou ever do a deal with the Rangers? That no, probably not because he's yeah. an old school hockey guy. But who? It doesn't matter. If that's the deal that's on the table, then that's the deal that's on the table. If it's I hate Pittsburgh as much as you do. If it's Pittsburgh, then it's Pittsburgh. It just it is what it is, and that's the position that the Rangers are in. Beggars cannot be choosers, and you can't keep just making this. Oh well, all right, we'll take fifty cents on the dollar instead of dollar for dollar because we're going to trade him out west. Who gives a shit? You worry about stuff like that when you're doing like a change of scenery trade with Buchnevich, say, right? Then you can sit back and be like, well. You know, we don't want to put him on Pittsburgh because we're going to have to look at him in the division for the next 10 years. You want to kind of settle it that way? That's fine. But for a rental like Zuccarello, go do whatever you want. Go crazy. Mike, what else? We got really, I forgot, the Rangers made a trade, so they kind of threw our plan out. What else do we have on the docket for the flagship show? Well, yeah, we we want to talk about you know, why why there hasn't been a trade yet and we we covered all that the, the other stuff to really talk about is you know is Benajad doing what he's been doing which has been being a beast uh, you know, Tom wrote an article about it today for the banner it's been just an absolute delight um, watching watching him play and he had another freaking multi-point game Joe and looking back uh, since January 15th Joe seven seven multi-point games. For Mika Zibanejad. 58 points in 58 games. Yeah, since... is 26 goals and 32 assists. Like, since... uh, What is it? Since January 12th? I think it's since January 12th, he's only been kept out of the box score three times. Wow. And he... Like, he hasn't... Like, he hasn't gone two games without scoring a point since... January 8th. And he's been really good. This is not a guy who's just sitting there tapping rebounds home. He's he's been No, no, not he's at all. been a monster. Kreider is 45 points so far. He's he's on the path to career highs across the board. Zuccarello, Mike and I were talking about it before the show. It's we're like doing a live update, right, on how quickly he's jumping up the polls. He has 37 points in 44 games all of a sudden, which is all the more impressive when you realize how much struggle he's had in the beginning of the year. It's insane how like how Zuccarello's not traded yet. It, well, actually, Mike, let me let me throw you this question: When do you put bubble wrap around Kevin Hayes and Matt Zuccarello? Uh, I would have probably done it already. I fully agree with you. I have no <laughs> yeah. idea why they're still playing. Um, I guess maybe you can't you, you can't do it if you're being serious about the contract negotiations. Mm, that's um, a good point. But the other part of it to me is, this is just, there's way too much in the line. Uh, like, there's millions upon millions of dollars at stake here. Like, there's, 
there's draft picks, which like I was trying to, I, I this is something I always wonder about. Like if if you had to assign a value to a draft pick, and I know, you know, th- there's been studies about you know how frequently you know pick number eighteen becomes an NHL player. How much more valuable is pick eighteen over pick twenty? And those are great and fascinating to read. But I often think about like how when we hear about these things, because what was it? like I was gonna write uh, an article similar to Tom's, and I was looking back at. Like, when's the last that Zabinajad for Broussard trade was just a grand slam of a trade for the Rangers? Like grand trade, larceny. It just couldn't have gone better, right? And in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot the Rangers gave a seventh-round pick. Uh, I, I remember they got back a second, but I forgot they chipped in a seventh. And uh, in my head, I was like, well, how much is a seventh really worth? And then I reminded myself that it just got two sevenths for McLeod and Merrick Mazanek. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I mean... W- Whenever we talk about the seventh round picks, people always say, you know, the the, the blue moon success stories, like the, the four leaf clovers that people find in round six and seven. And those guys do exist, just like undrafted guys who have value exist. Uh, just like the Rangers are hoping Darren Radish is one of those guys, guy who is undrafted right. and turn, might turn into a guy who's, he's already kind of proven he's an AHL level defenseman. And, and now, can... now the question is if he's more. You can turn seventh round picks as the collateral finder's fee for sixth round picks, right? Yeah. yeah. If you're looking at the middle of the sixth round and you turn around and you give your sixth round pick and a seventh, it's the ability to move up and maybe grab a sleeper that you really like. Morgan Barron's a good example of a player. I don't think the Rangers traded up to get him, but a a recent sixth round pick that is kind of making waves in the NCAA. He's doing awesome things with, uh, with Colgate. So those, it's not any. Again, there's no, I think I made this point on the show, actually. There's no lack of value in a seventh-round pick. Henrik Lundqvist was a seventh-round pick. I'm not saying it's going to be Henrik Lundqvist. More more often than not, it won't be. But Ty Ronning, Riley Hughes, some players who at least have some type of upside in the Rangers system, you can get those players that late in the draft. Guys fall all the time. Undrafted guys do it. So Every year it happens where there's someone who's there who probably shouldn't be there or when we look back and, you know, we see those articles like redrafting this draft or that draft. And, you know, I think a lot of people measure it by NHL games. And you look back and there are just guys who slip through the cracks or they happen to develop a little bit they're later. just or crack maybe, slippers. Maybe they're five foot ten, and, you know, maybe they're 5'11 and, you know, they had a deficiency in their game and everyone said, ah, the kid Or an overage or they got hurt or they're, yeah. they're European players that... Like, what is it, Patrick Vera is another guy who has an NHL future, potentially. He's in the conversation for it, and he was a seventh-round pick. So the Rangers have had pretty good success under Gordy Clark of kind of hitting on those late-round picks. Yeah. And they're pure flyers, so you should kind of be taking nothing but upside because, again, it's a pure flyer. There's no real – you're not – logistically going to land an NHL player. So you may as well take somebody who has more NHL upside, right? Or the, here are the there's a ton of red flags with this guy, but he's got some skills. And that's what it's been for the Rangers to this point. So it's an opportunity, but th- the point is there is no asset that is invaluable to the New York Rangers right now. And if you can turn a couple of those sevens into a six to grab a reach, or if you keep them as seventh round picks, it's just more opportunity for the New York Rangers to yeah, bring back assets into a farm system that even now desperately needs it. 
The bring Rangers have picks, bring so prospects. little high-end talent. So oh, little. And you're not going to get that in the sixth round, more often than not. I'm not making an argument that they will, but you just you can leave no stone unturned. And you know what I, go ahead. I want to talk about, Joe? Because that feels like... This, this is something I keep thinking about writing an article about. Lately, we've seen... Uh, you know, the past, I would say the past, what is it, like six games, something like that. We've seen these little flashes of good good things again from Pavel Buchnevich. And you talk about the team's kind of lack of the high-end skill. And Buchnevich, as we all know, has unfortunately just become this polarizing figure uh, among, you know... For reasons I'll never understand. On Rangers Twitter, where it feels like some people just fell in love with a kid because of his skill, which is still evident. Uh, I mean, the one-handed pass he made the other night, you know, against Buffalo. It's like, what what more do you have to see to understand that there's more going on here than a guy who belongs in the fourth line? But then you also see the kid who he'll miss a shot, he'll hang his head, uh, he won't finish a check. You know, he, he just, he's one of, unfortunately, he has this real gift, right, for... For being Doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. Yeah, and being right under the spotlight of David Quinn's attention. And uh, against Pittsburgh, he played 12-35. Um, it's one of those things where you say, okay, in the game before against Buffalo, he had a goal and an assist, and he played 14-10. You know, he, he, it's been a long time since he was really treated and played as a top six uh, top six winger, Joe. And now I'm looking at him, and I, I keep saying to myself, "This is not a guy who should be counted out in any way. This is a guy who's this is an important time in this kid's career." And like when the Rangers are looking at all these all these some of these prospects, they you know they're looking at and Buchnevich is no longer really a kid. Uh, you know he's he's definitely a younger player, but you want to start seeing something happened for him in his game. Like, you want to start seeing that consistency. This is his third season now, and he's definitely nowhere, not close to the production we saw last season that got so much, so many of us excited, what he was able to do in his role last season. Um, but here, I so here's, I, I just kind of I brought this up because I wanted to just kind of put the thermometer in you and see where you stand on Booch right now. Here's my continued defense of Buchnevich. Okay. And I am probably the biggest Buchnevich fan on the planet, I believe. I'm in a fan club that I started. We're not taking membership right now, but we might. Buchnevich is he's scoring a point every other game. He's a .51 point per game player on the New York Rangers right now. He has 21 points in 41 games that paces out to like a 42-point season, right? Which is kind of where he was in line with last year. Um, I think Buchnevich was fourth on the team in points last year for the New York Rangers. He had 43 points in 74 games last year. We can admit that Buchnevich hasn't gotten the time on ice and the opportunity that we kind of thought he was going to and expected him to. And that's part of this issue. But for me, there is inherent value in a 40-point player regardless. And we can easily say we haven't seen the best from Buchnevich. We can easily say we haven't seen the confidence that we've expected out of him. I'm more frustrated at times with Buchnevich than any other player because he'll be the guy streaking down the wing who will have a Zuccarello moment and not take the shot. And you let Zuccarello get away with it because Zuccarello yeah, works, works so much magic. He's also... He you don't question hard. a magician yeah. 
when he pulls a pickle out of his and hat instead of a rabbit. And I'm doesn't work hard, but when Zuccarello works hard, you can't help but notice it, because he'll... Was there a plane literally no. landing on your, your roof? No. Was that a plane? Am I going crazy? Did I not... Did, all right. I mean, are you Sorry. okay? thought I heard a, a, a ridiculous plane a ridiculous just thing. flying overhead. My cat overhead. jumped up on my desk, but uh, he was nowhere near the microphone. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Unless your cat makes like... Franklin, are you made out of robot parts, bud? I don't think he is. It's going to... He could be. be Absolutely could be. I, I'm I'm not worried about Bucinavich at all. I, if, I feel like if, he's, if he would have been given this top six, here you go, and two months down the line, he's been given that role every night, and we're still seeing what he's doing right now, I think I would have more of a non-issue with his treatment. And I do think that Quinn has been relatively fair with him. At the very least, I think Quinn has made it clear. I know you and I have gone back and forth on this about what he expects from Pavel. And there have been times when he's given it to him and there have been times when he has not. So at the very least, there's that level of discussion. But again, 40-point players have value in the NHL. These are guys who, they're not throwaway players. And people are really going to just expect the world from him because he has that skill level. I thought he could be a 60-point player this you know what year. Else? That's wanna, not going to happen. I want to make sure to He's, raise this point because I know Buchnevich is a player that gets, like, I think he gets lumped on because is a certain part of, yeah, because we like so him so many much. fans like him so much and other fans are saying, like, what do you see that we don't see? And I know the numbers are down this year, but you know what else is down, Joe? He's averaging 64 seconds less a night on the power play this season than last season. That's that's right. It's over a minute. That's a lot of less time on the power play. And he's still know? kind of putting up. He's still kind of putting up the same level of points that he did last year. He already has as many power and play goals as he had last th- season. Actually, he he had five last season and five this year. So it's. It's a weird. I don't. I understand what Quinn is trying to do. I don't agree with his methods. I get the the point he's trying to make. Quinn has said all the right things. I've never felt like Buchnevich was being banked because thing. Yeah. The because they did. Well, no, not even that. Some of it is completely unreasonable. I really do think that Quinn at times prioritizes the ideology of effort more than actual skill and talent. That Heedle could be, oh, he's not, there's no effort, you know what I mean? There's no, there, it's a perception thing. You, you keep playing Pionk and Howden, Howden didn't take a seat despite his struggles because Howden is like Ryan Callahan, his motor's always moving and you look at it and you go, wow, that guy hustles, that's all that is. If Heedle's taking a seat, Howden should have taken a seat weeks before he got injured, and he didn't. That's a gripe that I have with Quinn. I think a lot of time, and listen, is this part of him kind of proving what he wants to be? Because we haven't seen Quinn put a lineup out that's a must-win lineup. You know what I'm saying? He wants to win, but he knows what he has. The Rangers know what they have. have He's not going to get fired. I mean, he's been rolling the 7 Yeah, well, at this point, that's exactly what it would come down to. But do, I do, you, but do you see what I'm saying? He he hasn't. He's not putting a playoff lineup out there, and everybody knows it. So if he wants to prove a point to Filipino, prove a point to Filipino. It is what it is. It, it's I'm gonna bitch about it, and it's fine. But I'm doing so knowing that one of my biggest gripes with AV was that he legitimately believed Glass was a better option for the New York Rangers than Buchnevich was to win a playoff game. That drove me Glass up the fucking wall though. because it was stupid. Remember that goal? 
He did. He did score that one goal. So I, I haven't gotten that sense from David Quinn, and that makes it more tolerable. But again, Buchnevich is a polarizing subject because there are people on Facebook mostly, but there are certainly people on Twitter as well, who they look at the analytic community and think, oh, they like this guy. Well, we don't like this guy. And that's all it is. It's the same people who get mad at Adam because he says things like, at this point, Lieber Hayek is a third-pairing defenseman at best. Not that that's what he is. That's just, I think the Rangers would be very happy if he developed into that. You're mad because Adam is saying it, not because it's not true. And that's all it comes down to. So it's best to ignore. Now, there are legitimate, I have legitimate conversations and debates with people who don't like Buchnevich who are not like that. And they have reasons that they back up with their form of analysis. And I don't say that condescendingly. I mean, sometimes it's statistically based. Sometimes it's not. And there's reasons to be concerned about him. And Mike brought up a good point. Is it very likely that Buchnevich is just another skilled player who I never develops what into what he point. could be? Uh, but sure. I still think it's early. But as a 20... Th- can you say that, well, it's early in his career, but I think we could say that he's getting close to the yeah, shitter and get off is, the pot. To me, this was a right? crucial season but, for him. And I and I, I, mean, I tweeted about this the other night, uh, and I was just saying, like, you know, because he's going to be rolling up into 24 in April, Joe. So, like, after this deadline, like, this is, that'll be the most important 20 games of his career, is trying to find a way to prove to... David Quinn that, you know, I am a valuable forward. I can play, you know, I can hustle. I can do those things away from the puck you want to see me do because anyone with the, you know, with eyeballs in their head knows that Pavel Buchnevich is a skilled forward and he can do things in the offensive zone that someone like, you know, Jimmy VC couldn't do on his best day. And that's not to crap on VC. It's to separate Buchnevich and recognize what he can bring or what he could bring. And, it, it feels like to me in many ways, like this is what I was thinking about writing about, is the Buch, like Buchnevich is becoming this interesting test for Quinn because he's not at all the sort of player that, you know, I think we, we would associate as being successful under Quinn. But Quinn needs to find a way to work with these kids because this, this is what Filipino is like. This is what Vitaly Kravstov very well might be like too. These are, you know, European kids who play... You know, a style that's based on skill. Uh, they want the puck on their stick. You know, like, uh, you know, I don't want to say, you know, Buchnevich, I think, is just a little more, it's a little more conspicuous with him because he wears his emotions so much, right? Like, I, I don't try to, I, I, yeah. And he's, he's a perimeter player. player. I think it's yeah, fair to call absolutely. him a perimeter player. He's a finesse player. This he's is, not an in-your-face, rough-and-tough player. It's 50-50 right now on why this season has gone the way it has for Booch. And I put 50% of it on, on Booch. I put 50% on Quinn. I really do. And I feel like that is, that is kind of the most fair way to look at this. Because when you look at what he's done and the role he's played and what he's done when he's out there, I mean, no one's really talking about this. He's, sh- he's shooting 18.6% this season, Joe. So, like, his numbers... His numbers shouldn't be more. quite so good, but I think they are what they are because when he does take shots, he's taking these high-quality chance shots because he can do things to get in the spots where he needs to get that other guys can't. Like his de- most recent goal, that deflection goal, was just it was gorgeous. It was a perfect deflection, and you you see that and you just shake your head and say, just why don't we see this every game? And half the reason why I think is because. 
of where David Quinn plays him. And the other half of the reason is because sometimes he just kind of slips. He just kind of, you don't notice him. Uh, you know, he, he'll have a quiet game, but you know what? He has a lot less quiet games when he's in the top six and when he's playing with quality players. Yeah, and it does it, it does feel like Quinn and him are kind of feeling each I, other out. And here's I the other thing. Are, they're figuring each other out, but it's it's on Quinn to figure out Buchnevich. Like, that's what he's got to do. Correct, and 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 I, it's on if he's laid out what he needs that from Buchnevich. It's on Buchnevich if he's not giving it to him, but it's also on Quinn to realize this is a guy who's become a valuable NHL forward the way he is, and I can't completely rebuild him. And the final point I'll make on Buchnevich: if this is who he is, he's still a forty-five point player yeah, in the last NHL. Year, last and year those guys don't grow on trees. Numbers, like, he put up 45 points and he he earned those points like he wasn't he wasn't a guy who was swinging way above his weight or anything like that he succeeded often with the detriment of of Elaine Vigneault's deployment and he still had the season he had so he is at least like a 40 45 point guy the fact that he could be more is what's so exciting here but it's and that's That's yeah it comes down to the fact that you can't deny the skills there Joe and and there's he's so goddamn good there's plenty of there's plenty of reason to assume that if if given that long term role he could be better, but there's enough red flags to say that this could be who he is, and that's fine. And I, I'm I'll certainly eat crow if he doesn't turn into that sixty point plus if point player that I thought he was going to. Who's a but, second or third line winger, just a middle six winger? He is still exactly the sort of guy this team should focus on developing because you, they need to figure out how to work with these kids. They need to also figure out why. They get these kids that have all this potential and promise, and they don't always pan out here. And you have to bring in talent from outside, especially on the wing. Like, the the Rangers' quandary. Like, the, it's this terrible handicap they have. They just can't develop scoring wingers. And it's been this problem that's existed for, God, I mean, how long has it been since they really generated a true goal-scoring winger, Joe? It's been... Like a generation almost. It's it's a long, long time. And I'm I'm trying to be optimistic about what happens with Booch here, but this is a big test for Quinn. I, I, I hope we see him make, you know, more maybe a shift to like he changes the direction the ship is heading after uh after the deadline, which, you know, we should mention again. The next time we talk we'll be talking about what the hell happens, so I want to ask you what's yeah, we'll what's going to be wanna... the best the best thing that happens on deadline day for the Rangers. I think they're going to bring back a haul for Kevin Hayes. That... Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think it's going to be the Hayes trade because as much as the the soft market and all this stuff is kind of it's taken a play. If the teams that are buying are buying the way that that they're yeah. projected to be. I think whatever team loses out on Duchesne is going to be all in for Hayes, and it's not Absolutely. going to be yeah, one team. It's going to be two or three it's teams. It's not just one team that's going to say that's shit. How you get you the really want Duchesne. It's going to be half a dozen, and then because that's right. that's the reality here is you know one of the craftier trades of last deadline was you know the Jets going for Stasny, and I think teams know that you want that center depth going into the playoffs because God forbid if you lose a center to injury even for a game or two, you that might be it for you. 
So having a guy, even becomes, if you trade Hayes and you say we're going to keep him on wing, you know you want to keep a guy who can be a top six center in your back pocket there, even if you stash him at, at wing on the third line or whatever the hell you do, because that is a big deal. I also think, my, my thing, I think we're going to see, this is this is my kind of my favorite little story that will come out of deadline day, Joe. Do the Rangers get more back from for Adam McQuaid than what they gave up for him? Do they get more back in return than what they gave up for him? May I mean maybe, maybe. it's a terrible answer. If you're yes if or no, you ignore. If you you know what I wanted to talk about more oh, disappointments. So here we go. You ready for this? If you're a patron subscriber and you have not sent us your address yet, what are you doing? Don't you want the swag that you we're going to we give you? So many listeners, and you're talking to literally like 18 guys. Well, I'm telling them right now that there are disappointments. Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Amayo Kistner, Andre Chicagoff, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B., Chris Habibi, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGem, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Keith Franchillo, Guy from Montana, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Michael Thomas Silver's Olsen, Trevor address. Kepner. I don't know which of you... Well, yeah, I don't know which ones of you did not send the addresses, but track. for those of you who didn't, we got um, we got sweet swag coming your way. Uh, thank you all for listening. Hopefully, we're still alive come Monday. And uh, here's the soothing sounds from Johnny Moore. <laughs>